0: Good morning. I know I say this every time I'm up here, but it is such a privilege to be able to come and share what I feel that God's put in my heart. But before I do that this morning, when Jim's talking about testifying this morning, most of you will know if you're on Billy's Facebook page, but you'll have seen on Friday that our son Craig finally passed his driving test. But the testimony part for me behind that is, every time he's went to his test, I've said to him, I'll pray for you. And he's also known that other people have been praying for him. But on Friday morning, well he was night shift, so it meant that I actually had to take him to the test centre and swap over cars and things. And probably because Craig doesn't come to church just now, I'll say things, I'll pray for you, and I will pray for him, but I don't always have the boldness to actually pray for him when he's with me. So when we were swapping cars, I said to him, get in the car with me before I go to my work. And I just prayed for him worry he was in the car so that he actually heard the prayer Billy didn't know that I had done that so then he gets in the car with Billy and Billy did exactly the same prayed with him and I have to say that I think honestly that he then knew that we'd actually physically prayed for him it wasn't a thing we had told him what we were going to do so we had the boldness so I encourage you to have that boldness to actually step out in faith and actually pray for someone While they're with you. So, as you'll know, if you've been with us at all this year, that we've been looking at the verse from Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, that says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess the nations and settle in their desolate cities. See, this is to help us as individuals in church to see this verse in action in our lives. And we've also been looking at the culture values. And these, you know, are generosity, excellence, unity, celebration, and honor. And we've heard a different variety of words from different people on how we can exhibit these values. You see, the values are all good in isolation, but they're good to have together, not just at church but as individuals, at home, at work, wherever we are, and some of the culture values are much easier than other. And I'm sure there'll be at least one in that wall that you could think, "God's going to have to stretch me in that." See, the small and I want to speak in honour. And when I first felt God speak to me about this, it was probably at the beginning of the year. And I thought, God, I don't think honour is one of the things that I actually need stretching on, naively. So He has been speaking to me for most of this year about how I personally honour other people. And one of the things is we've had a lot of changes at work, and we've got a new boss. And I'm not going to say that it's been easy. For me personally, it's been a huge struggle. And when I spoke to God about how I was feeling, this is when he really started to challenge me about honour. And I started to read the scriptures, and I looked up quotes from Christians and non-Christians, and to see, God, why is this causing me such a problem? And We all know the quote that respect has to be earned, but while I was looking at that and thinking, right, okay, I get that God, but what's that got to do with honour? I came across a quote by Craig, Craig Rochelle from Life Church that says, respect is earned, but honour is given. So they, That really challenged my thinking that, yeah, my new boss, actually shall, she will earn my respect, but I actually probably have to give her the honour before that respect happens. Because honour defines us who we are as a person and while serving is a guiding light for your growth and character. Honour defines you to others. If you have honour, you are a known quantity and therefore you can be trusted. Here we go. Teacher comes again. Because honour is a verb. It's a doing word. You have to choose to honour. So every day, you make choices, you make the choice to get up this morning and come to church you might not been able to do that so you might be choosing to join us online but every day you make the choice, you also have to make that choice when it comes to honour you have to choose to honour other people the word honour is used in the Bible 170 times according to Google I can not tell you I haven't counted but I'll believe them because when you look at the stories you can see how important honour is to God I just want to with you this morning a few scriptures that God's really challenged me with and taken me to when I've been looking at honour. In 1 Peter 2, 17, it says, Honour all people, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the King. In Romans 12 and 10, it says, Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness and honouring one another. And in John 12, 26 If anyone wants to serve me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be there too. If anyone serves me, the Father will honour him. See, that's made me realise that honour's not a one-way thing. Because honour is people-facing. You're honouring the people that are in front of you. But it's also God-facing. So when we honour each other, we're also honouring God. And God honours us in return. But it can't be fake. It needs to be real. Because if you're honouring someone... When, and it's not honour. The person that will notice that most is God, and God cannot honour dishonour. So when I was thinking about honour, I started to think about when I go out for dinner. And when we go out for dinner, there's also always, always a debate of how many courses. If it's a special menu, it's or two courses at this place, but it's only an extra pound for dessert. Well, we just have dessert. So we usually always have a mean and a pudding. But sometimes we might go, oh, let's get a starter to share. Let's get sides to share. But you see, we always have the main course. The other courses on the sides, they're shared, are not ordered. And I believe we have to look at honour as the main course. The main course is something that you have every day. Doesn't matter what the time you have your dinner. Every day or your lunch, wherever you have your main meal, you're having a main meal every day. And honour needs to be the same. It needs to be part of your everyday, not something that you choose as a side or something that you choose that you're going to share with someone else. It's yours. You need to have it every day. It's not the great pudding in the menu or the, the side dish that you have occasionally. We shouldn't be treating honour like something that we should only be done when other people are watching. When we honour God, our honour others, we're also honouring God. And I want to share some biblical examples before I actually get into the scriptures. See, when we look at these, we can see the honour carries through a generation. In the book of Ruth, we see that she chooses to honour Naomi when she goes with her. She could have went home to her own family, but she chose to honour Naomi and went with her. So then Ruth eventually meets and marries Boaz. And we can see how generationally they then become part of the family tree of Jesus. It started with Ruth's honour. In the book of Esther, she chose to honour Mordecai over her own safety. Mordecai asked her to step out in faith. And for her, it would be much easier just to say, no, quite like the life that I've got now. But she chose to honour him. And not only did she save herself and Mordecai, she saved the full Jewish nation. In the book of Job, Job chose to honour God in every situation. And God restored everything to him. And more, it, it because his friends and families, friends and family all saw the rewards that he got through honoring God in all circumstances. I'm going to teach one of my favourite Bible stories. And usually when I think of this story, it actually makes me think about Uncle Patrick. Because I remember one day in the Sunday school, and Uncle Patrick was describing a book that she had read to the children, and she was telling them it had a love story in it, it was a thriller, it was historical, and anyone who knows me knows I love a good book. And I went to her, and what is it? And she went, the Bible. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've never actually thought about the fact that the Bible has every kind of book that you could want in it. And I also have to say that once I've read a book, I'll never read it again. However, the Bible, every time you open it, something else happens in it. It's totally different every time. So anytime I'm struggling, or feeling a wee bit low, I always, always go back to 1 Samuel because Hannah is my absolute favourite. And when we first meet her in Samuel, she's absolutely desperate for a child. And she goes and she's praying and she asks God for this child. But this is the bit that always gets me, because when she asks God for the child, she says, if you give him me, to me, I'll give you him back. And see, Hannah did exactly that. She made the choice to honour her promise to God. She honoured God for what he had given her, and she gave Samuel to Eli. Hannah, when she honoured her promise to God, this started a culture of honour. And we can see how that happens, how it goes on as Samuel honours Eli and then this led to Samuel being able to anoint David, who then honoured Saul and eventually became king. And all of this started with that prayer from Hannah and the promise that she made to God and that she honoured them. Now as I've already told you, she's my favourite and I would love to be able to say that I would do the same. You see, God knows that although Hannah, I've told you, it's hand in heart, I wouldn't say that I'd make that choice. I would probably have made God that promise that I would give him back. And then once I had him, I would have probably been a wee bit like the princess in the Rumpelstiltskin story. But I'll give you the next one. God, just give me one more and I'll give you the next one. And I'll keep this one. I know what I'm like. So even though I want to be like Hannah, I'm probably more like the next person that I'm going to talk to talk about. So I want to talk about Joseph and how he needed to learn to honour and how having to learn that and then having a culture of honour changed his life, and not his, but many, many lives behind it. You see, his story starts in Genesis 37 and goes all the way through to Genesis 50. I'll share some scriptures and paraphrase more, because if not, I would have you here a very long time today. In Genesis 37, we see Joseph share his dreams with his brother, So I'm going to read this scripture. So starting at verse five, it says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother says to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he'd said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the living stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So we know what happens in the story, but neither Joseph nor his brothers did. And too often we can behave like this 17-year-old Joseph because we can hear from God and it can be a lack of wisdom sometimes or it can even be a sense of superiority over others that can cause dishonor to creep into our lives and our interactions with other people. Because sometimes we share things that God has given us and sometimes God's even told us "Just, just keep it just now because I'm not giving you all because if I give you all, it's going to be too much. But then, naively, we start sharing either with the wrong people Or sometimes we share because we want to brag about what God has said to us. But it doesn't really matter what's caused the dishonour. We always need to be careful about how we talk to and treat other people. We shouldn't be looking for excuses like lack of age, Joseph only being 17, or a lack of wisdom to justify dishonour. It can't be and shouldn't be justified. You see, this is where the problem starts for Joseph and his brother. Because unlike the other examples I shared... The honour doesn't continue through the generations. It's dishonour that carries on. See, his brothers are eventually so fed up with them that they sell him into slavery, and this is their first dishonourable act. But it doesn't end there, because they continue with the dishonour. They destroy the coat that their father had made for Joseph, and later they tell their father that Joseph is dead. And they continue this dishonour every day. They allow their parents to believe that Joseph, Joseph has died. But see, that doesn't end. The dishonor continues. And when we go through into chapter 38, we can see that the dishonor continues through the generations because Judah gets married and has three sons. And we hear that his firstborn heir is so wicked that the Lord takes his life. So his brother, Onan, according to the law, has to marry heir's wife. But Onan then also continues the dishonor towards his new wife and God takes his life. still doesn't end still haven't realised that this culture of dishonour is causing so much pain in their lives so Judah the dad goes back and dishonours Tamar, the wife again because he sends her away and says when my youngest son's old enough you can marry him but he never ever does it so Tamar eventually decides to pretend to be a prostitute and ends up getting pregnant by Judah and this therefore continues the dishonour in that family You see, dishonour always leads to more dishonour. We need to make correct choices to prevent ourselves from having showing a culture of dishonour. This is where we all become responsible because it only takes one person to speak up or act up and pull people up for dishonour. You see, because if only one brother had told the truth of what really happened to Joseph, then this would have been a very different story. The honour would have started much sooner But obviously God still used what happened to Joseph for his will. But that doesn't mean that that gives us a reason to live with a culture of dishonour and just expect God to make it good. So we're going to go back and see what happens to Joseph in chapter 39. So in chapter 39 and in verse 2 it says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So we know what happens in this part of the story as well. Because we've got Potiphar's wife and she accuses Joseph of trying to have sex with her when he clearly didn't that's what Potiphar wanted and when Joseph didn't give her what he wanted then she had to try and play it out that it was his fault and this leads to Joseph being sent to prison but this is when things really start to change for Joseph because now he's chosen to honour God and Potiphar from the outside looking in it doesn't look like choosing honour was the best thing to do but again we know the end of the story we know what God does for Joseph it can be the same for us, there can be times in our life when it looks much easier to choose the dishonourable route but it will always, always causes a problem I read this online it says when you honour people it should not be because of who they are but because of who you are so now, Joseph is now chosen to honour other people not because of who they are but because of who he is he's now trusting God and allowing God to use him for his glory and honouring those round about him in chapter 39, verse 21 to 23, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favourite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Joseph had honoured God and the prison warden here. So now he's living a life with a culture value of honour. He was shown honour to all the people in his life that were in charge of him and God was blessing him in all of his situations. In chapter 40 we then meet the cupbearer and the chief baker. Two people that are now in the same situation are actually maybe in a worse situation as the story goes than Joseph. He could have chosen to ignore their dreams or he could have told lies and given both dreams a happy ending to people please because some of us are really good at doing that he had nothing to gain from these men because they were in jail alongside him they had nothing to give him but showing honour doesn't mean that we will gain something from the person we show honour to but it does draw us closer to God and ultimately he's the one we want to be closer to and he's the one that we should want to please it takes two years for the next part of the story to happen. As you know, Joseph has told the chief cupbearer that he will be returned to Pharaoh and the the baker will die. But the cupbearer goes back and he forgets all about Joseph. He goes back to his nice life. Doesn't tell him what happened. He just accepts that Pharaoh's taken him back under his wing and he's got this lovely, lovely life. But then... Joseph is still continuing to honour the prison guard and those round about him in the prison. He's still just doing what God's asked him to do. He is living his life for God the best he can in a prison. But then Pharaoh has the dreams that nobody can interpret. And eventually the chief cup remembers Joseph. So it's not straight away. It's now when Pharaoh's starting to get mad that nobody can help him, that it's almost as if a light bulb comes on. Oh, wait a minute. When I was in prison, this guy told me this. So he comes and he, he tells the Pharaoh about Joseph, and Joseph brings the Joseph's brought to the Pharaoh and God gives Joseph the meaning. In Genesis fourteen fifteen, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream you can interpret. But Joseph replies, I cannot do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. Straight away, God's back and God, giving him the glory, telling Pharaoh, it's not me that's going to interpret your dream, it's God. So Joseph interprets the dream, and Pharaoh realises that Joseph is a wise and trustworthy man. And Joseph, Joseph is now put in charge of Egypt on behalf of the Pharaoh. So from a prison cell to now being in charge of the full of Egypt. And God continues to bless Joseph as he continues to honour the Pharaoh. So for the seven years of plenty, Joseph looks after Egypt. He makes sure they've got enough to eat for the seven years of plenty, but he also makes sure there's enough grain for the seven years of famine. So in the Bible it says that they came from all over the world. It doesn't say that they came from the next village. It doesn't say they came from 10 miles. They came from all over the world to Egypt. So they didn't starve. And Jacob's father's heard about what's happening and he knows that there's grain in Egypt. So he sends his son to buy the grain. This is the part that we mostly know about how the brothers come and they buy the grain and then they go back and then they bring back Benjamin and we know all the things, all the tricks that Joseph plays. But at the end of the day, what really happens is Joseph is reunited with his family. And that was through the honour of the pharaoh the honour of all the way back then to the cupbearer, than the baker and then back to the prison warden, back to Potiphar. He's changed his attitude. He's now living as an honourable man. So now, all of Joseph's family's back. And in Genesis forty-five sixteen, it says, when the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brother had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers Do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me and I will give you the best land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. This scripture shows us that the culture value of honour that Joseph has displayed is now allowing him not only to be reunited to his family, but for his family to have the blessing that Joseph's got too. Pharaoh's been on the receiving end of the honour that Joseph has shown And as part of that, he's also received the blessing of God through the blessings that God has poured out into Joseph. When we honour God and God blesses us, the blessing never ever is only always for us. There always is a blessing that outpours much further. So Pharaoh wants Joseph and his family to have the best in the land. And he wants Joseph and his family to have a good life in Egypt. This made me think about the legacy then that was left for Joseph and his family and the legacy that we want for our families and the legacy we want for this church. We always talk about in this church about the legacy that we're going to leave for the next generation and how what we leave behind will be better than what we've got just now. You see, the only way that can happen and the only way for it to continue to grow is that we have the culture of our all of them, And as those culture values live in us and we display them everywhere, then we make sure that we always honour those who deserve honour. We always are generous to those who need it. When I think about the quote that says that we honour people not because of who we are, but because of who they are, who we we are, this is generous, but it's also honouring. It's going to be a celebration. if If you get one of those food bank parcels, People will celebrate because they'll feed their families that night. It's an excellent display of what we can do in church and unity because we came together to do this. We have displayed every single one of our culture values on that table this morning. You see, I love it when we're one of the people at church because we all get to share in it. So when you put your, your thing in here to say that someone's shown one of the culture values and then someone for the platform honors them, it's great and it uplifts us. But you see, it shouldn't be reserved for them on the platform. It should be something that happens all the time. So this is some ways that we can show honour. We can pay a compliment. We can treat others with respect. We can be understanding. We can be patient. We can forgive. We can show compassion. We can listen, encourage, help others, and celebrate accomplishments. I've already said... ...about how it is that who we are when we show honour... ...and Bill Johnson from Bethel says... ...a culture of honour is celebrating who a person is... ...without stumbling over who they are not. We need to ensure that we celebrate who people are. It's not our to us to change one another. That's God's job. Yeah, we need to challenge the behaviours... ...that don't fit with our culture values... But it would be better for us all if we were a church family who strive together to live the culture of values, not only at church on a Sunday, but in every day of our lives, no matter where we are, at home, work, supermarket, walking along the street. I hope this year is the year that we all decide to be always, always be the best we can be in all circumstances. This is one of my favourite songs, so I'm going to read the lyrics to you. And it's Amy Grant's Father's Eyes. It says, I may not be every mother's dream for her little girl, and my face may, may not grace the mind of everyone in the world, but that's all right, as long as I can have one wish, I pray. When people look inside my life, I want to hear them say, she's got her father's eyes, her father's eyes. Eyes that find the good in things, when good is not around. Eyes that find the source of help, when help just can't be found. Eyes full of compassion, seeing every pain, knowing what you're going through and feeling it the same. Just like my father's eyes, my father's eyes, just like my father's eyes. And on that day when we will pay for all the deeds that have gone, good and bad, they'll all be hard to see by everyone. And when you're called to stand and to tell just what you saw in me, she's got her father's eyes. You see, I really like that song because I hope that one day that's what, God will say to me that she's got her father's eyes. And the only way we can show the eyes of the Father God is to live the way He wants us to. Living out the culture values we have here at New Life is a good way to start. All of the culture values we have on the board and hopefully in our hearts and minds are generational. If we really love these values, they will filter to the generations to come and God will be able to use us and the generations to come for His glory when you start to change who you are everyone around you sees it and when you have a culture that have all these values not just at church but at home then the generations that you touch not just your own family but you think about the visitors that come to your house and I think about the people that Rebecca and Craig bring to my house regularly that they get to see those culture values and it is generational because if, as I live out my life then I impact the lives of those around me who then impact the lives of those around about them. So if every person here today and every person watching online truly got behind those culture values and lived them every day, where will we be this time next year? Where will we be in 10 years' time? It actually blows my mind to think what God can and will do when we really get behind the culture values of the house and live them properly. I'd really like to encourage you this week to read the full story of Joseph. But the Bible's full of examples of people who struggle. We hear it all the time that just because you're a Christian doesn't make your life perfect, because it certainly doesn't. But where would you be without God? Where would Joseph and his family have been without God? What would have happened actually to the world if Joseph hadn't got behind the culture value of honour and honoured the Pharaoh and been given the opportunity to feed, not the nation of Egypt, but the world for seven years of famine. If he hadn't done that, would we be here today? Because who knows what would have happened? Would it have been the tiny, tiny little place of Egypt that would have maybe managed to feed themselves for seven years? Would it have been a wee tiny part of the world that would have survived? But instead of Joseph throwing his toys out the pram that I am guilty of doing when God asks me to do something that's too hard... Like going to prison, like I don't know what I would have done. As I've already told you, I would have probably kept Samuel, so I've already dishonoured God. If I'm Joseph, am I finding a way of getting out of the prison? What would have happened if he hadn't chosen to follow the culture values? Life's not perfect. Joseph's a great example of this. David, who I've already spoken about, how he honoured God and honoured Saul, struggled. As well, we can see so many examples that God doesn't give us a book full of perfection that we're striving for a perfect life. We should be striving for a life that honours him. So I'm going to ask if the band will come back up and lead us in some praise and worship. But when they come back up, I'm going to ask you to give God all the honour that he deserves this morning through your praise and worship. So that this morning as the band finish, that we take away the atmosphere that's been in this building this morning, the atmosphere of worship and honour that will encourage us for the rest of the week. And as we go out encouraged and we live the way God has asked us, we will encourage others, we will build other people up, we will change lives. I shared with the ladies this week, and she is, that Rebecca's boss has challenged her to have a good news story every day of her work. So this week... I'm challenging you to have at least one story of how you've honoured someone this week someone you wouldn't normally honour so think about it, think about how you can show honour to someone that you wouldn't normally I'm just going to finish with a prayer so Lord, I pray that as we all strive to have a culture value of honour that is not only visible at church but in every area of our lives Lord, help us to celebrate each other and what you've already done in our lives and are continuing to do Lord, I pray we choose to recall the good examples of people in the Bible showing honour and choose to honour those in our lives this week. In your precious name, Amen.